to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for February 13, 2017, featuring poet Joshua Megan leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is held on the second Monday of every month at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. That's at 61 Bergen Street, off Smith Street, near the FG Bergen Stop. For more information about the Brooklyn Poets Yop, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Becky Torog, Tucker Legierski, Shara Hardison, Emily Blair, Courtney Toyaval, Tamara Lee, Kaylee Rogers, Del Lemon, Timothy Wojcik, Scott Conrad, Julia Cohen, Regina Mogilevskaya, Julie Hart, Chris Roberts, Julia Knobloch, Arthur Russell, Tess Congo, Judy Schneier, and John Maurer. So let's get right to the action. The Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. How's everyone doing? Same as we were before. First part of that set, the second part was better. <laughs> Welcome back to the Brooklyn Bones Yop Open Mic. I'm excited to be here. God, it's been a crazy. It's been like I was telling uh, Tess, my God, he's going to get an episode of 24. You know, that show, Jack Bauer. They just rebooted it. Uh, we had to, del- had to deliver supplementary materials for a brand at 31 Chamber Street, the base of the Brooklyn Bridge, basically, <laughs> by 6 p.m. tonight. I got there at 5:59. Then I had to come over here. <laughs> so let me dance for a second. Waiting for something to, to download so I can put it out. And waiting for over an hour. Didn't download. Called my grandwriter. He was able to get it. Emailed it to me. Long story. But we're here. We're here to read some poems. It's exciting. I don't think I have any announcements other than the fact that we have this amazing swag bag, which you should definitely buy. It's $19. You can pick up flyers for Arthur's reading and put them in the, in the bag. Well, probably need something to carry them out because there's so many of them. <laughs> and they're weighted down by Arthur's beautiful face. <laughs> uh, if you haven't read for the open mic before, you get three minutes on the mic. Please don't go over. Be conscious of your time. We have a lot of people on this list. We try to get to at least 20 a night. That doesn't always happen. I try to make it happen. I try to get to a few people on the wait list if we can. Uh, some people on the main lineup are not here, so we are definitely getting some of you on the wait list. Uh, we do record the open mic every month for a podcast that we call the Yawpcast, so if you don't want to be in the recording, you can tell me afterwards uh, to strike you from the recording, uh, and we will take you off of it. That's certainly your right. And every month, as you know, continue before we vote for Poem of the Month, my audience vote. And the way you vote... Wait till the end of the open mic, and then you text me. Right? First you say, great job, Jason. I love this event. Then you vote for the poet that you want to vote for. If you remember their name, great. Remember the title of their poem. It's a little, little less helpful because I might not remember the title. The name is really the best. I will try to repeat names after people read so you can lock it in your mind as much as 
phone. The number for the first time tonight, Jimmy should just create a ban a banner, like a piece of print banner behind me. My number. <laughs> 
the mission is the Bowery mission. And this is in the, the book of uh, the Brooklyn Poets Anthology. A party of one applauding the Brooklyn Poets Anthology. <laughs> 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 Heard of the next mission. How many sons of bitches no one loves with long coats on in June and beards like nests? Guys no one touches without latex gloves, squirming with lice, and sells a bunch of pests, their cheeks and noses pocked like grapefruit lines. Fellows with permanent shifts and yellowish eyes knew they came to in the flowers to find Raphael there could not be otherwise. They had to sit there listening to some twat behind a plywood podium in the chapel doorman suit, the color of snot, stock still, except his lips and Adam's apple, telling them how much Jesus loves the poor before they got their bread and a piece of floor. And now I'll just, you know, so I'll let you in on a secret. Um, this poem's like this. Okay? This is called Prayer Safety. Um, if you look on the Poetry Foundation website, this, this was published in uh, Poetry First. Uh, what was in the book? They have it listed as free verse. It's not free verse. Uh, it's a sonnet. What do they know, man? <laughs> it's a sonnet that I made look like free verse. <laughs> but it stands and rhymes and has a turn. So. Okay. Uh, is there any way to be radical? <laughs> Fire safety. Aluminum tank indifferent in its place behind a glass door in the passageway, like a tea urn in a museum case. Screening machines that dumbly spend each day waiting for gas or smoke or hands or feet, positioned like beige landmines overhead, sanguine walls are posted on the street like dwarf grandfather clocks, spray painted red. Little gray hydrant in its warlike stance. Old fire escape, all with a big job peeling. A shelf for mildew rugs and yellowing plants. Sprinkler heads looming from the public ceiling. All sitting supernaturally still, waiting for us to cry out. And we will. Thank you. Josh, not for your poems, but for making poetry fiction look bad. But he did mention it, you may not have quite processed because, you know, that's the only reason why you didn't cheer, is the Brooklyn Poets Anthology, the first anthology ever of contemporary Brooklyn Poets is coming out in April this year, which is. Many of the poets in the anthology are in this Brooklyn world. 170 poets over 400 pages. Very exciting book. That's all I'm going to say right now. <laughs> we'll be promoting the shit out of it. Our first reader of the night, not named Joshua Megan, is Becky Torah. Give it up for Becky.
bushes of the raspberries, past the reedy pond and the river's shallow, bubbling tributary, to the upper field, where I used to loiter for hours in the trance of sweet berries. Let's go, just to see it, just to show you, just for one quiet moment against the backdrop of those purple-green mountains. Let's go, only to find that, yes, it was too much, and I already ached to lie down right here in the mud and prickly grass. If I could describe fatigue to you, perhaps I could remember it myself in the moments when I feel fine. Perhaps it would not be such a surprise when again it comes out of nowhere, unexpected, predictable. Perhaps I'd remember if I could describe it to you. Chunk 
the clunk of boots, the plop plop wildness of uncoordinated dancing, the sweet, the sweat on socks, the excited wiggle of toes, the crunch of snow, the pedal of bike, the skid of stop. It's a step, it's a step. His steps aren't taken away like others, i.e. muscular dystrophy, diabetes type one, bone marrow cancer, agent orange. Refugees fleeing a violent homeland, treading through a sticky spiderweb of bureaucracy, living parked in apartments, confined in camps, waiting to be accepted to reestablish, walk on safe, to walk on safe sidewalks, safe sidewalks. Immigrants, immigrants leaving a nation with violence and or poverty, how is it different than X's family from four generations back? X's great greats left to make money, build better lives than they would have had, pulling to Ellis Island to Montana. To X, it's not, it's not that different now for families from Central America or Mexico or anywhere. Times may have changed, but much of the story is the same. Change either makes you move and or you move to change things. X walks across the beach now, next to the heaving claps of waves. The water crawls and hisses across the sand, thrown and pulled by the moon, which pedals inside the sky. X thinks of the first multicellular life form in that ocean millions of years ago, a body like a comma, dancing in the jet stream, whirring and churning within its translucent skin, evolving to make the move to land. We come from movement. Lust licks our bits and pieces, heat glows in our chests, bodies move and were conceived and banged into a beginning. We are our bones, our given bones, flesh, hair, and organs and genes, a cocktail of animal, of an animal, breathing, praying, sleeping, sweating, fiddling, dancing, fighting, thinking, destroying, creating, crawling, rolling, shitting, walking, talking, yelling, sitting, fucking, scheming, playing, building, hurting, consuming. Some of us are lucky with our bodies and our nations and our place within those nations and where we Others are not. Often we'll need to hold hands, we'll need a hand to pedal resistance and move together to get where we want. Holding hands or not will end X nose, sand stuck to his scarred feet. So we move until the body is burned, until we fall to this planet, a planet spinning over 100,000 miles per hour with the living and the dead. Life is movement and movement is life. Thank you. Thank you. That was Tucker Pearson. Before that, we have Becky Torog. Next up, maybe another Yonder viewer. Uh, I may be mistaken again. Hopefully, I'm not. Give it up for Shara Hardison.
I didn't trust the sky long enough to look away. I didn't know how to write about home. I suppose most days I need, but don't do. And for that, I hope you can forgive me. The last time we spoke, you were running for president of the song. That day deserves more than others. I know the state's in alphabetical order because we drove them once. The official countdown was one year left from you. Painkillers, health insurance, fluffy snowflake blankets, my squeezable dinosaur, and nearly 10,000 miles traveled just to see you do what you do. We shared more worries than there were minutes in the day. There was blight and drought and sickness in the honeybees. I asked them to please stop dying, call them back from sleep, call them back from the dead, call them back. I wish the dead would just pick up their phones. I want cellular memory to override the constant fading. You were an exquisite corpse, and I a sunflower there. We didn't go together, and yet we kind of did. You're all over my art. You've got some form of flair. And I just walked past my own reflection. How could I? You'd say, pop open a bottle of yourself. I'll wait. So I did. A friend should be in a frisbee. Last night, I dreamed the moon was black and blue as pitch sky against cold water. It hung lazily in a white night sky just beyond my window, which was situated preposterously on the opposite side of the house. Dreams, you'd say, play backwards sometimes, like it was common knowledge, and I believe you. Then we'd settle in listening to the birds, and thinking of words for things that haven't been invented yet. As always, the last words you say hang in the rafters like soft music. Broken wings have brought down stronger birds. Sometimes I wish to be brought down. Einstein's own words on time and gravity couldn't save me. I went walking through the constellations. Can you list them? Perfectly from my own skin all the time. From my rooftop, I could see it. A person, maybe. A face. Then again, maybe not. Maybe I'm all alone. I should know better than to look for your attention. Always there. Very nice. That was Sean Artisan. By the way, we live tweet this. We're going to do the same. Hashtag with the boats up. I try to remember the best lines. If I screw them up, it's <laughs> Once I did that, someone afterwards was like, how dare you tweet my line? I was like, okay. I was like, I'm just trying to make you And then she was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Next up, we have a very popular poet at the Book Pose Yop in the Book Pose Anthology coming out in April 2016. Give it up for Emily Blair. Yeah!
calming, inspirational saying that compare life to a rainbow or a river. And tonight, I am Sandra Bullock, clipping parked cars as I swerve through suburban streets, which means that you are bomb expert Keanu Reeves, <laughs> who praises my crazy driving and never leaves, no matter how bad things get. Who couldn't act even if he tried, because he's too real for that. And deep down, he knows that life is not a movie. It's a wild dog whipping across a grassy plain. It's a delirious dream, where even when we're both about to meet our doom at 100 miles an hour, you can still say, why don't you just wait and see what happens? With such sincerity that if I keep my eyes on your face instead of on the road, I can almost forget how fast the years are flashing by. That was Emily Blair. Thank you, Emily. I knew there was a use to Emily's speed. Indifference. How we praise both the line towers 
and the water walkers without being clear about which is higher. There's no winning in drawing parallels. Wrong in losing, always losing in long circling lines. Wrong in the chicken poet singing, pen in hand.
you know, like that thing we tried to bring to your country. And if you don't like the way things are, well, then I invite you to go back to your country. I mean, whatever was left of it when we were done liberating it to freedom. <laughs> but now this one is true. We do have a home for your bravery, and trust me, you'll need it. Because regardless of what you think or say, we'll be carefully watching you. You must declare your value over and over and over again, and any distasteful tone or wavering look will give rise to our suspicion. Because opinion matters much more than any rights or laws. And we put powerful watchdogs at our borders that can, ex that can decide to excommunicate without trial or explanation. And you may even put them off with just a stutter or the hue of your skin. But we're so glad that they're doing their job since we feel unsafe without them. And it always feels better when bad guys are named and our heroes wear capes and nothing but a Hollywood story can wipe away the stain of fear ever since the day we watched our towers fall. Look, I know how this is. Once my family landed on these shores too, with dreams in their eyes of a better life. But remember, I came first, and finders keepers, and it's probably time to start shutting those gates. Sorry, but that's the luck of the draw. Surely my cause was more honorable. We were manifesting destinies back then. So anyway, welcoming good luck, my arms are open. The fittest will certainly the fittest will certainly survive. And if you don't, you should probably put aside some extra money for your anchor babies. Be sure to tell them lullabies and wish them sweet, sweet American dreams. Give them something to look forward to on those restless, hungry nights ahead. So thanks for coming, immigrant. With extended arms, I wish you good luck. Sound like anyhow. 
Are you the same moon that I held in my hand? Right palm upturned, grasping at a waxen wedge. How can you feel so much further away? When the same ground is at my feet, the same wind whines in my ears. What moon are you, dabbed onto a chiaroscuro sky? I dried myself on the tundra. It is a desert, you know. I stood atop hills of dead horses. I gripped the bark and dug my nails into the earth until it stained the edges charcoal. Now I'm standing here on the pavement. I am looking at the moon. The same. Thank you, Callie. That was Callie Rogers. Next up. Give it up for Del Lemon. why Malia was crying at her father's final address to the nation as president, but she reminded me of how deeply we feel things at that age. Malia a few years older than Juliet, and she was dressed a little bit like Juliet, with the long, glassy-like sleeves. Fighting back tears as her father, too, tried hard not to cry while addressing his wife and daughters. Of all that I have done in my life, I am most proud to be a dad. Perhaps he saw her crying. At that age, you feel the weight of the world with no means to carry it. She turned to her mother to smile because she knew that's what she was supposed to do. But she felt the weight as soon as she turned away and the tears fell again. I have cried uncontrollably in the middle of public ceremonies. Something about the ritual aspect of all the people gathered together gives you a moment to pause and feel the futility, the absurdity, the injustice, the ridiculous pain. Perhaps she grieved for her father, for how hard he had tried, and how much he had accomplished besides being her father, and how it all seemed to be for nothing now. Perhaps she was relieved that it was over. She wondered what would become of us, but most of all, she wondered what would become of herself, how she would live in this world that is so hard to live in. She wiped away her tears, and I wiped away my tears while watching her. I loved her mother's toughness and Maria's inability to be tough. Dell, Dell Lemon. Next up is a newly minted member of the Poets. Very excited <laughs> to introduce him. You're awesome if you're just awesome, but then if you also purchase a membership, you're like. <laughs> <laughs> So, Tim's been coming a long time. Glad to see you became a member. Great poet, give it up for Timothy. Ooh, hold on. Boy, check. Oh, boy. I was just about to get it. Get it. You gotta give me a second. No. Timothy. Boy, check. Give it up for Timothy. <laughs> Members 
just get to a simple idea. This is called happiness. At the beginning of time, there was a shallow pool of clear and viscous liquid that people believed to be the source of knowledge of cooking and cell phone towers. We as a culture value a finely chopped onion and a clear signal path, do we not? The people formed a line from the cave to the pool and each sat in the liquid briefly. It was all very cordial and this is all very, very scientific. I mean before the people floated around the cave like astronauts and bumped into each other in the walls. And then time began and all of a sudden everyone's bottom was wet and everyone was using a proper chef's knife. And also this is when YouTube happened and each person posted a video where they described the exact same dream of the entire planet exploding, but like in a low-budget movie obviously a fake model, and explained how once they had had the dream, everything began to look like fake models of those things. A car, an airplane, a tree, your mother, your childhood bed, a block of cobalt. The year was 1988, and as the sun rose, a sense of calm wonder fell upon the valley, but the people were too busy trying to turn it off and back on again. That's W O J C I K. Next up is a poet. An apology to first of all, he was on the open mic list last time. My just total nonchalance, Alan. I somehow missed his name. Infuriated his wife. So <laughs> I'm here to make up for that. Give it up for Scott Conrad. I'm going to make you pay by reading the longest poem I've ever read. It's called Six Minute Poem. It's actually called After the Election. Uh, <clears throat> the government is nearly irrelevant to the will of the people anyway. In the church, kindness walked out of the church a long time ago and entered the hearts of so many average citizens. Not heroic Christ-like figures, just regular folks like cops and janitors, sales associates, poets and accountants. And kindness wandered like water, a virtual river of walking kindness that stopped only to hold a door here, or to take a hot meal to an elderly shut-in there. Kindness, not some preening supermodel, but a busy worker with calm eyes and a half-knowing smile while just going about the business of being kind to somebody who needed a little extra kindness. Not everybody knows about it or recognizes it when kindness presents itself, but a lot of us do, and our numbers are growing because that's the way kindness is, metastasizing like a tumor of goodness to take away our greed. It just hits you one day that what you want to get done isn't as important as maybe pausing to take a quick picture of a sunset to share with friends 
or waiting to listen to a total stranger tell about how their day is going while standing in line at the grocery store. And suddenly this is the most important thing you could be doing of all the other possible activities that could have happened that day. It's true that many of your fellow citizens are too busy to notice the river of kindness flowing out of the people around them, <coughs> flowing all around them, too busy being stuck in traffic and angry that they're not home already, eating dinner with their families, or in their mind already wondering and already ranking a list of shit that needs to get done tomorrow, and calculating hunger, thirst, exhaustion, and how much sleep will be required to function tomorrow to do this said list of shit, which is of course carefully plotted into the grid of five-year and 10-year goals and how they want their life to turn out. And hell, kindness doesn't even stay in any one person all the time. You might be the kindest person on the planet someday, and then you get tired and snap with an emotion that comes with a burst of adrenaline hostility. All of which is totally okay with kindness, because, well, it's kindness. Kindness is very patient. All of which is totally okay with kindness, because, well, it's kindness. Kindness is very patient, because we're dealing with all of recorded history here, and probably long before that, and extending out eons into the future too. And when the, and the line forward has been crooked as time passes, because kindness as a concept takes faith in your fellow beings on this planet. And tough guys come and go, and sometimes the tough guys get followers. Sometimes they even take over, and then kindness only exists as a faint memory in a few humbly kind people. That's why Jesus got so famous. He just lived at a time when some really evil people got a lot of followers. And Jesus was like the last person who remembered what kindness felt like. And then look what happened to him. They made a, a big spectacle of trying to kill him off, but they couldn't. Kindness rose again and all the memories of his friends and followers of how he lived his life. And they wrote stories about the way he lived and how he treated other people, especially the people who needed a little kindness. So yeah, this is one of those times that some people have forgotten about kindness. There are a lot of people who feel like they got cheated, and now we have a leader who makes a big show of being a harsh dude, who gets what he wants, and does it any way he pleases, and doesn't worry about what anybody thinks. And everybody thinks that because of him, they won't get cheated anymore. But he really does care what people think. In fact, it drives him crazy because it gets criticized. Because he actually does think at times that he's doing all this for his country and his kids and their children. He probably even thinks of himself as advancing the spirit of kindness for all mankind. And that he really can be friends with Russia. And that he is totally misunderstood. And kindness totally gets this. And kindness understands how wonderful it feels to be on the side of good. Kindness is very patient, and kindness will be waiting for all of us to come around. Thank you, Scott. Very nice. Scott Conrad. Uh, now it's been, if you have an empty wine glass, give it up to that prime person back there. They are getting all the wine glasses downstairs. Don't be kind enough to get rid of your wine glasses. Yeah, you can wine glasses.
This is where they all are. They're all empty, too. Okay, next up is Julia Cohen here. Okay, give it up for Julia Cohen. Stroke my skirt with the top of a finger. No one is around, and I hum a 
violin at the back of my throat. Here's another because I want to torture you. I am alone, though I don't necessarily have to be, maybe. I recoil from the slightest touch, a sweeping inhalation, the seizure of a wrist returning to the quiet side of a car. I don't want anyone to stare me up and down, to notice something to look more closely than two strangers should. But on the bus, I count the water droplets and I think about affection. I think about legs and mugs of tea, family dinners you pretend to hate but really loved, your hand on my knee, a warmth too good to pass up. I think about kissing someone's shoulder while they're driving. I pretended to hate that couple at the bar today, but I could barely keep my eyes on my own drink. What's it like to feel so goddamn good? What is affection over a glass of sangria? Thank you, Regina. I was literally in the middle of tweeting your last name during the Julie Hart, remember the number? 
important Chinese magic tea to help you heal. You brought me food to help me heal. Would you keep my child, you whispered? I said I would. Where do you want me? Deep, so deep. Was I so wrong to fall in love with you? Was I so wrong to think that you had too? Yes, I was. Wrong, lonely, and naive, so easily deceived by pretty words. Raw rose love poems you hold for others. The number one job that you strove to reap? You found it, courting girls with influence. While I still missed you in my sleep, what I believed would never wreck the joyful speechlessness of having met, the sweetness of the park at sunset. While I still dreamt you needed help, you had it all nicely figured out and cast me in on my road as stepping stone. I could have not. Though convinced myself you were the uncommodified essence of love and kind, in turn you knew, oi, alas, now here's a corny rhyme. I was too blind. There was no special bond, mere cold indifference when with those round brown eyes that can stay straight just like mine, which always made me feel safe and at home seeing your face. Wait, I'm digressing. Try again. When with those eyes wide open you claimed I had been a friend, lover, sister, mother, yet now you'd have to network day and night and with new peers move on and up, you had long before slipped out of my life through the cheap backdoor, leaving behind no shards of friendship, romance, or achtut. Of course, there's only one real mother, duh. Where do you want me? Deep, so deep. Around the first day of the seventh month, no thoughts of honey on my mind, I traveled far through space and time without love, without you, without the prospect ever of a child. The wounds you helped me heal, my happiness, my comfort, you ripped them open twice as deep, and leaning now against the most fortunate of trees in the empty desert heat, unhappy, inconsolable, I weep. Thank you. Julia, beautiful. Julia Knobloch, everyone. Next up, enthusiasm knows no bounds. Give it up for our 2016 Yawker of the Year, Arthur Russell. By the way, I'm having a featured reading at the Rutherford Red Wheelbarrow Poets on March the 1st at the Williams Center in Rutherford. And you're all welcome to come, because if everybody would come, there's a fire over there. It would really show those guys in that group that I belong to out there that Brooklyn rocks. <laughs> they don't know that. <laughs> also, thanks, Josh. That was a great class and a great reading. This poem is called The Third River in the Rain. I'm getting up close enough to the mic to sound sexy. <laughs> the third river in the rain. <laughs> I love the rain. When the rain fills the river. When the rain fills the river. And the river starts to run. And the willow branches read the braille of raindrops on the surface. And ducks 
reputedly impervious, hide underneath the roadway bridge. And silent geese glide slantwise to their landing on the river. And the island in the river sits down lower in the water, and the tree roots hold the river banks, and the empty branches lift the lowered sky, whose thickened clouds blow weirdly the city lights nearby. I love the rain when the rain fills the river and the river swells with meaning and its meaning is to run past the dam at Kingsland Manor, past the strip mall on the highway that was once a marsh and now has a Chipotle. <laughs> and the river that would fill that marsh runs black behind the cars that park for dinner, and concrete quarantine that drains the rain that falls on Garrett Mountain, through Essex towns and golf courses, to broaden where it joins the Bowery and I love the rain when I walk beside the river. When I walk beside the river on my way home from the city, bus stop on the highway, on a pathway through the darkened park, my raincoat soaked, my wide-brimmed hat with raindrops dripping from the brim, whose felt I smell, whose smell I feel, whose beaver eaves I walk beneath like the ducks who see me walking past them to my house a few blocks further, a man between his job and home, a home between its innocence and what is yet to come.
evaluation. Sometimes I try to pretend I'm still alive. I wake up, I shower, I eat, I dress in a dress or skirt, and I try to smile through everything. When someone smiles back, I'm sure it's worth it. I think that I probably used to be someone. Maybe she's stapling posters on telephone poles. Have you seen me? Or maybe she just got tired of waiting for me to do something, and she's sipping martinis in Honolulu. Now that she's gone, I've got a skin to heal. A lot of the time, I try toast or wine or love or sleep dreams of things I don't believe I deserve. I am the fourth child, and most of the time I'm the last child, and I go every day, everywhere, pointless. Most of the time I look behind me, maybe for the girl I was, maybe for the things she had, maybe only for the things she wanted or the things she thought she had. Now I know what I have. I have all these dresses, and I have all these little shoes, and all these pictures, and sometimes I think it must be evidence of something like, oh, it was real. Thank <laughs> you. 
Watching Mr. McClure play basketball. <laughs> that magic moment when your blind eyes suddenly go wide. Now, online dating stirs up some interesting looks. Decorating, hairline products, cartoons. <laughs> run around, games of hearts, that hike up beehive in Cholula saw, our mitzvah football, frisbee on the turf, we swung them in the tire swing, dipped their toes into the surf, fireflies were caught mid-flight, and set buzzing in their tiny hands. I heard their hearts boom when those bugs bit their That was Judy Schneier. We have time for one final reader. It's already 9.30-something. It's Joey Hansen here. Negative. Alex left. Shakia Hughes. Joe Delila Mendez. No. Faizan Syed. Okay, that leaves you, John Mayer III. Give it up for John Mayer III. <laughs>
Okay. Um, Trump or nuns? Nuns. <laughs> Never nuns. I mean, what? Okay. Um, so, uh, the quick background on this poem. Uh, I, I visited Italy with my adopted maternal family, and we stayed in this tiny town called Susa in the Italian Alps, and it is about, it, like, there's like a an arch there that Augustus put up. It's crazy. It's super old. Um, <laughs> because it's Italy, and it's super old. Um, but there there was this, uh, this convent, uh, and the nuns at the convent used to have a lemon grove, and they're digging in the lemon grove, digging one day to plant lemon, and they hit rock, and it turned out to be a Roman amphitheater perfectly preserved underneath the, the place where they had their lemon grow. This is a poem I wrote after. It's called Susan. Red arena dug up. Here where the Orchards gone from which lemons with a sweet pulp were taken, the sisters found. Buried by that snaking river now a half mile off. Think of her with shovel and saddle, roots wrapped in her life. Spooning the earth, she taps a hardness and calls out. Together then they begin to dig it up, a stone spine curling toward itself. At dawn, the abbess sends for men. Weeks it is cast again in sun, all but the cages where lions and wretches slept. Here in the center is nothing but voice, a looping echo that the walls curve, cups, and carries. A whisper in this place is not a path, but a roar. And when I stood solace on its turf, and looked up past the stones still smooth, over the dense green, up past the cobbled road, they tromped down, carving that obscuring bone, and the white cloister walls gleaming as glass, and up, up to the bent mountains, I said a word. And like dust raised by the spade's dip and scoop, it billowed up and out into late afternoon. Heard, then perhaps, even by the peaks cradling this place, where once they grew those wet, bright lemons, where miseraries murmured under slim rims, were washed away in Okay, thank you. To review, that was John Marr, the third, and we had before that Judy Schneier, Tess Congo, going backwards, Arthur Russell, Julia Knobloch, Chris Roberts, Julie Hart, Regina Mugalitskaya, Julia Cohen, Scott Conrad, Timothy Boychick, Del Lemon, Callie Rogers, Sandra Lee, Courtney Toyavau, Emily Blair, Shara Hardison, Tucker, Legersky, and Becky Torog. If I mispronounce anyone's name, please tell me afterward. The number to make your vote is 718-374-1953. That's 718-374-1953. I'm going to become a telemarketer. Only vote once, please. I'm probably not going to look at your numbers. I'm going to vote like 100 times. Josh Meek is back here if you want to talk about his workshop. Sonnet workshop starts April 1st to April 29th. Meets every Saturday, 2.30 to 
Early registration extended through midnight tonight, $15 off for new students. We will be back here in March, whatever the second Monday of March is. In fact, it's going to be sort of a special year. First of all, Joe Pan is teaching it, who is coincidentally the co-editor and co-publisher of the book of Polish Anthology, and he is leading a book manuscript workshop this March and April, I believe. Uh, what's happening in March is we're having a special theme for that YAP. The Academy of American Poets has put together uh, what they call the Poetry Coalition, which is sort of nationwide organization or sort of coalition of different poetry organizations such as Book of Poets, Academy of American Poets, Kaveh Khan, and so on and so forth. And in March, sort of like a pre-Poetry National Poetry Month teaser or appetizer, they are doing a series of events linked around the theme of migration, which of course is very relevant today. They, they actually decided this theme last summer before they knew asshole would become president. <laughs> now it's very re relevant, and the hashtag is, I think, we come from everything. So Joe, uh, at my hearty encouragement, will be teaching a workshop on the theme of migration and coming from many different places. Of course, this is probably on a lot of our minds especially from all of the immigrant poets we heard from tonight. It was wonderful, actually, to hear that sort of a spontaneous uprising. Immigrant <laughs> <laughs> poets, I love it. Uh, we will be back here in March. If you didn't read tonight, want to read, please sign up as early as possible. Again, it fills up very quickly. I guarantee you in two weeks it will be full, so don't wait. You can sign up right now on your phone. We have a mobile responsive, uh, responsive website. You can do it. That is all. I'm done. No more words. Thank you for coming. So there you have it, the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for February 13th. 2017. Thanks to our professor Joshua Megan for leading an incredible sonnet workshop and kicking off our open mic. Congrats to Shara Hardison for winning Yacht Poem of the Month for February for her terrific poem, Dear Rabbit. Shara has earned a spot in our Poem of the Year Smackdown coming your way on December 11th. That will be the December 11th Yacht when she will compete against the other 11 winners of Poem of the Month over the past year. Our March Yop comes your way on March 13th. It will be led by Brooklyn Post faculty member Joe Pan. Joe is leading a five-week manuscript workshop this coming spring, end of March to early May, on putting a book together. For more information about that, go to brooklynpoets.org. Once again, Thanks for listening. We hope to see you next time at the March 13th Yop. Be well.